Hey everyone, welcome to the Thunk Tank Podcast. Thanks for downloading. So I'll keep this intro short. This is simply part two of our interview with uh, craft beer brewer and friend of the podcast, Justin. Um, I joined in for this one, so I called in on Skype. So the conversation continued where it left off, but I kind of asked my own questions about beer. And, uh, you know, we made a lot of connections between the world of craft beer and the world of craft coffee, which I'm into, and music, which I am a musician. So I had a lot of comparisons to make there. And uh, otherwise, we just had a fun conversation. Um, So this is part two. Part one, if you haven't heard it, is the episode before this. Um, Yeah, that's about it. If you want to support our podcast, please consider going to patreon.com slash thunktangpodcast, and you can donate as little as $1 an episode. Helps us keep the thing going. Um, Enjoy the episode. Attention, humans. This is a thunk tank. Please insert this podcast directly into your nearest orifice for viewing pleasure. Okay, you ready? Oh, shit. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to the thunk tank. <laughs> Welcome to the Thunk Tank. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. There you go. Welcome. Come into our. Come into our Thunk Tank. Luke, don't switch <laughs> to the other peanuts. <laughs> Welcome to the Thunk Tank. Come in the tank. We're thinking and we're thinking <laughs> and we're thunked and we're thunked. <laughs> Oh my god, I'm probably more beer than man if we go far enough back at this point. Alright, uh, welcome back. Uh, we just did about an hour with Justin, and now we're bringing in uh, our buddy Luke, one of our co-thunkers. What's up? For the uh, for the rest of the episode. Uh, Justin, Luke, they're just meeting. Justin is a... Uh, Introduce yourself, Justin. That way, uh... he, he, he he did all that in the last one. So oh, fair enough. Mi- you. You, you missed it. Uh, I we, already had that conversation. We covered barrels and uh, you know historical Groot beers and a little bit about hops. Using fetal tissue and beers. Mm-hmm, a little bit. We talked about the haze craze a little bit, and uh, we were just talking about Brett beers when you called us. Um, so wh- I kind of want to let Luke ask you some questions. So what kind of questions would you ask a brewer, Luke? Well, uh, I, uh, even if you might know, but on behalf of the the non-brewer peoples, I suppose Is that confusing enough. I suppose I first need to uh, start drinking my beer before I even know get my beer brain going. You know what I mean? You one hundred percent need to. Yeah. So, anyways, what are you guys drinking? I'm about to pour my first of the night. So, uh, we're still drinking a pomegranate, an oak aged uh, pomegranate Brett saison. So that's what kickstarted our Brett conversation. Uh, Sweet. Rewind, rewind 40 seconds if you want to hear about it, because we just talked about it. <laughs> but uh, what are you drinking, Luke? So I just picked up a Barrier um, IPA. Uh, you've had that, Johnny, I'm sure, right? Mm-hmm. The um, 516631? Well, this one's called Sweet India Pale Ale. Um, Sweet. So, it, you know, it's it's just kind of um, trying to see here if it tells the the hops on the label, but I don't think it does. But it's it's your classic juicy IPA. Sounds like you guys talked about the the haze craze earlier. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm pulling a Johnny this episode. I got an empty stomach and a seven point eight percent beer. So buckle up, get it, buddy. Oh and I'm gonna cook a steak after we finish the podcast. So 
on the grill or on the stove? I'm going to do a reverse sear. It's like a thick steak. So I put it in the oven first and I wait until I the you. middle is at like 125 and then you sear the outside until the smoke alarm goes off. Really? That's we're, how you actually do it? We're on the same page with the reverse sear. I love the I reverse like sear, yeah. Yeah, but you really, that's how you decide is when the smoke alarm kicks? Well, the the, like that's probably a- the article that I first found this method from is called, um, it's like a food blog called Serious Eats. And the guy jokingly says at the end, like, if your smoke alarm doesn't go off, you probably didn't do it right. <laughs> then you fucked up. Because <laughs> like you're, you sear the outside, maybe like 40 seconds each side, that's it. Because the middle's already at 125, 130. It's already so hot. Yeah. yeah. And like that, you wind up getting like a much more like a, a, a continuous, like even cook yeah. throughout the steak, right? Yep. And you don't even have to like rest it at the end because the middle's already all heated up. It's kind of like the sous vide method where the, the steak is just chilling in the 140 degree water all day and then you can just sear it. Mm. Like restaurants do that. So they have steaks just ready to go, you know? All you need is that little that little bit of of uh, crunch and seal on the uh, on the outside. Yeah, exactly. Which, it. which is like you can eat sous vide meat just the way it is. It's safe. It just feels weird and raw. Yeah, but it's technically safe to eat. I just realized, Luke, that I can sous vide in my uh, in my homebrew system. Oh God! Oh wow! Because the great because it's got Holy a shit. it's got a recirculating motor with a temperature remains an electric constant. Yeah, so I can, but it's it's designed to boil seven gallons of wort, so I could sous vide a whole freaking duck in that thing if I want, or a Dude, side of beef. That's a, didn't you say that you're getting ready to get a Pico brew? Uh, I'm working on it, yes. So, yeah, that's a game changer I'm, I'm for you. I'm brewing one with a friend, and I might get one based on how that goes, but... Uh, that's that's a game changer. Uh, yeah, he's going to bring it over and leave it here during the fermentation, so I'll, we'll do a review on the episode. For anyone wondering, Pico, so you have macro... Micro, nano, and then pico in terms of like size, and pico is smaller than nano, I believe. And, yeah, and nano is really fucking small. Yeah. Yes. So pico brew does. I think it's like a half gallon batch of beer. It's so small, but it's four breweries doing testing recipes and stuff. Like it's you just put the ingredients in, and it it's like it it does it. It adds everything for you. Like you just fill these little it's trays and you hit a set button. It and forget it. It's insane. it really is. Like my system's easy to brew with, but this you literally just press a button and it beeps when it's done. And you, and you don't even need to take it apart to clean it. It has a built-in like steam cleaner thing. You just run a clean cycle, and it also has a sous vide attachment, so you could sous vide with the that, pico like, brew too. But I really want to try. We're gonna do one of the kits with it. it. But you can go onto their website and you could put in one of your recipes and they'll adjust it and send you the kit to make your own. So I can take one of my homebrew recipes and really try it at like a professional level of extraction and everything. As, but they're thousands as, of as dollars, like, these as, systems. As a, 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 a traditional homebrewer, that irritates the shit out of me. Because <laughs> it's already, like, you know what? You should have to fucking scrub grain yeah. off of goddamn everything. People already you should say ha- I'm cheating. You should so. have to do that. You should have to like deal with the fucking frustrations of having... You mean the labor is just part of it kind of thing? Oh, oh dude, it's, it, it, it is a labor of love. It the, the, the work that goes in, like the whole brewing aspect of like home brewing like that so is gardening but i'm gonna use a a shovel not my hands that's such a small 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 portion of it like 
cleaning everything and preparing everything beforehand and then fucking cleaning up after yourself after you're five beers deep and you've finished your 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 <laughs> brew session and you still have to stumble through and make sure that everything is spotless like that's a, a rite of passage that you you don't you shouldn't get to just skip because but you I could didn't have, skip because you could afford the fucking button pressing. I, I didn't skip it. I've done a lot of hands-on. Johnny's like, I did that. I did that for years. It's my time to relax. I got to retire right. from the cleaning. I fucking earned. I earned this shit. <laughs> no, I, I I do agree. Like a lot of people will come over because last year I did an insane thing where I did fifty homebrews. In the year, which is that is much, an insane thing. Was, I've never homebrew, but do, it sounds insane. Like pretty much once a week, minus a few weeks. Well, the brew day itself is like six plus hours, and then when you go to keg it and cleaning, it's at least ten hours of work per batch of beer. So that's five hundred hours last year I spent on making. I'll I'll admit it, not great beer. Medi- you made some really great beers. I'd say mediocre you, to fair. I know you was made where some, I was like, averaging there. There were a few that were really like. Well, thank you, but that's because I was scattershotting, and if I do one to one a week out of the four in that month, one will probably something's got to hit. Yeah, yeah, it's um, like extracting coffee. It's the same thing. Here. One but, out of every ten, you're going to nail it, but if you don't know exactly why yeah. you nailed it, you can't replicate it, it. It probably took me like ten to twenty batches to make a good beer, and then it probably took like 10 more to, to get it again, and then like seven, and I probably, I think like one out of five, like three to five beers I make now, it turns out not only good, but how I wanted it to turn out. Right. I still like, I still think that for the majority of your homebrew that I try, there are, there... Well, I bring you the good ones. You're my brewer. Well, friend. yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> there's probably something to be said for that, but yeah. though, like everything that I have, like at the very, very, very worst, it's like, oh, I mean, this isn't bad. Yeah, thank like you. That, that, I mean, like that—that's the worst critique. It's like, yeah, could it be better? Absolutely, but like, I mean, I'd still like. But it took me I, a long I mean, time. I, like, to... there, there's, there's, you've never given me a beer that I've taken a sip out of and then been like, I, this is fuck, like, I can't, I can't drink this, and that's not something that I can say for like several commercial breweries that I've had. I've had their product. <laughs> it's yeah. been like I paid money for this, and I am still not willing to finish this beverage and I drink a lot. I'm willing to lower my standards significantly. <laughs> it's such a big spectrum though of good beer to amazing beer to okay beer to terrible to, beer. To bad to like bad beer that you're willing to drink and then like oh yeah I can't even I've, oh, I've, no. I've probably only dumped like three batches or f- like four batches which sounds a lot but I've done 75 plus now um but yeah, anyways, I, I I did fifty plus last year, and the beginning of the year I bought like a an easier all in one system I can use indoor. It's it's electric, so I don't have to be outside when it's raining because I was trying to do one a week. Uh, and I bought a kegerator, so instead of bottling my bougie. beer, when you when you make beer after it's done being beer, you have to bottle it. If you don't have a commercial bottling line, most home brewers to carbonate it, they add a little extra sugar, seal the bottle, and then the yeast creates more CO two right. and carbonates it in like a secondary thing in there so that's a lot of fucking work though to clean all the bottles and fill them on just a five gallon batch you're looking at a couple of hours added to and then you have to wait another couple of weeks to start opening beers and you'll open some they might not be ready some might have finished out great some might be over carbonated on it was just a big pain in the ass and i didn't want to have 50 plus bottles a week 
piling up in my house. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> so I bought a kegerator and I started kegging the beer and just hooking up a CO2. I had a, a head brewer of a brewery call me a cheater and say it didn't count. And he didn't want to try my homebrew after I told him that. When I told him I was homebrew, he's like, cool, bring me some. And then I told him, well, I was like, well, it's kegging, so I'll bring you a, a growler of it. He's like, well, that's <laughs> cheating. That's not homebrewing then. What? Wait, a head brewer at a, at a brewery told you this? Yeah. How could that possibly be get cheating, on, get though? Get off the mic. Yeah, you know who it is. Well, yeah. Was it really? Yeah. What a yeah. douchebag. But uh, it's fine. He, oh, man. It, it, it was fine. But that, it, it's, yeah, so, so, and I've had some older homebrewers say I'm cheating for using an electric element. Because you're like, wait, you just dial the temperature? And I was like, yeah, like you don't have to like fudge You don't the have, knob to, and, have to watch it and hope that you don't burn your house down? Well, that's fucking yeah, bullshit. That's not really beer making. It's, uh, I, well, I don't see actually, the guys technology in, is a great thing. Yeah, I've never so. seen you guys in the actual brew houses like staring under the kettle being like, that looks hot enough. Right. Are you, are you, are you, I'm sorry, are you making Stein beer? Are you, still, are you still doing that? Well, then that's fucking cheating. <laughs> if you're not heating up a fucking massive piece of granite to then drop into your work stream... Hey, you're not doing That's it. That's how they used to raise the temperatures of the mash, right? Do what? Is that what you're talking about? Steinbeer? Yeah. No, so Steinbeer was like uh, this this like crazy subset where they like a subset of, of beers where you take a, a, a massive stone and would heat it up and get it red hot and then drop it into uh, unboiled wort. And as soon as you drop it in there, it fucking it essentially blows up. Uh, it hyperboils and you get like this crazy, crazy like caramelization. Mm. But like the boil is done, like pop. It's it's in. Can I? You do the same thing by just sticking like a red hot electric heating element into us into a, a bucket of wort. Ah, uh, I, well, no, I, mean, I don't. I don't. I don't. We're it, back to cheating. Uh, I don't know because there's there's this whole like there's this idea of like the whole. Uh, uh, the minor, idea minor, well, no, well, there's this the concept Sorry. of like minerality, like the 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 little nuanced flavors that you get from like mm-hmm. actually using the stone itself as opposed to something else. Uh, something that, more like, inert. There are these like weird little like micro uh, flavonoids or whatever you want to fucking call them. I want to call they, them these, flavonoids. These, these now. like That's little, cool. these, I like, like that word. Yeah, ti- I'm down. These tiny little <laughs> characteristics. That that you 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 can only get from using like this particular type of uh, of stone that's heated up and that you you can't reproduce it any other way. It's it's just like the the mm. people out in uh, like uh, in California that are starting to use like the uh, I can't remember what type of uh, clay it is, but they're going back to using like these like granite and like. Uh, like various uh, types of n- not not ceramic, but like they're massive fermentation vessels, but they're made completely out of like these different types of stones, and like they're typically used in uh like sour beer production, and the the minerality that you get from the stone, you can't reproduce it. Mm. Like you, there, there's there's not a chemical that you can add or there, uh, a product that you can can implement the product that, re- that you're already doing you're right you, you can't it, substitute it, is, for it with anything there, except there's, that there's, yeah there's, there's no way to reproduce it it's it can only be uh, this naturally occurring thing that comes from this particular type of 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 material uh so a lot like i i mean i guess that that it would probably be Along those same lines, that's and, what I love and about with beer, that's so cool. Yeah, I mean, it is really, really interesting. It, it, I, 
I heard about it on uh, the Sour Hour uh, podcast. Oh, uh, yeah, they're, that's a good one. They're, they rant about a lot of weird, weird shit that's going on yeah. in, in, in sour, sour beers. Yeah. That whole purity right, so, thing, like, you know, oh, it's cheating or like, oh, it's not really homebrewing if you don't do this, this, this. I mean, I to an extent, I can get that because it's like, well, yeah, I mean, if you just do something that's radically different enough, then you have to call it something else. But the word cheating is definitely not the right word because cheating implies that you're trying to cut a corner. And if you're not cutting a corner, you're just taking a different path to the same Yeah, for result. me, cheating would be if I took a label off a commercial beer and put mine on it. So right. try this yeah, whole that's brewery. legit yeah, cheating. I, I, yeah. I think that's cheating. I think that, that most people that say like, oh, well, you're cheating, it's just like, oh, well... You're you're not cheating. It's just I wasn't smart enough to fucking think do, of that first, that. Yeah. or like I, I didn't have I didn't have the resources available that you do now. So I'm I'm bitter about that. But like, it's it, it's not cheating. Yeah, you're not doing anything wrong by using the the resources that you have at hand. That's mm-hmm. fucking that like that. That's just being a modern yeah. a modern brewer. Like, An example. Otherwise, we still would just be going based on how glassy the wort looks at, to see what temperature it is. Right. Well, I mean, a, thermometers. Well, you can if you want to stick to that, you can be like, well, any brewery that's using steam as opposed to a fucking uh, a, a fire kettle, yo, you're cheating because that's <laughs> not the way that they used to do. Well, it. you kind of are. An example yeah, of that from the music world, like one of the things I specialize in is Baroque music, where musicians, it's officially called historically informed performance practice, and the musicians play on instruments that would have been used in the 16 and 1700s. So the violins are made That's differently. That's your big curly trumpet, right? That's my long, yeah, trumpet without valves. It's called a natural trumpet or a Baroque trumpet, and... um it's before they invented valves for trumpet. The violins play on gut strings, which is just, you know, what it, exactly what it sounds like. Usually cow guts has a very different sound. The bows are different. They, they try to make everything. We use the same tuning system that they used, like, back then. We try to just make everything work the same way. But all these gigs I'm playing, it's like the a lot of the people are using iPads for their music and, foot, you know, little pedals to turn the pages. It's not like they're cheating, the point of the period performance is to capture the right sound, not to pretend we're in the 1700s. Like, I drove my car there <laughs> right. still, you know? Well, also, because back then, like, you probably had to memorize the music, but you only knew, like, 19 songs, right? I, I mean, they, they used music. Did someone have it to walk to your... Printed. It was so, Someone had to walk to your city with the music to show you. Yeah, they had to, like, probably used a horse. I mean, they had horses, but... Well, still, the horse walked. He didn't <laughs> yeah, someone walked. <laughs> <laughs> The horse trotted. <laughs> but you're, you're trying to go for the authenticity of the product, not of the way you... Right. Well, and the important like features of the your product. Your turning of the pages is, 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 is disingenuous. Technically, you should ha- really be up on that brew house with rickets if you're making a exactly. brown <laughs> right. ale, right? Right. And guess how they... people had that. Guess how they tune the fucking organ for the gig with an iPhone tuner, you know? So it, it's yeah. it's not about every They're every like, detail being real. authentic. That's not real. Yeah. I do think it's cool <laughs> along the same vein of like you can't reproduce is musically uh, when like a church organ gets installed, it takes years to actually install. Partly because the pipes are like part of the building, you know, they're so big, but you have to tune to the space. Even like a world class organ maker can't like just set it up and say it's ready. Like they, you, can't it, you have to you have to build it specifically for that 
like cathedral or space, and then you have to tune it by actually changing the pipes and banging on them and shit until it sounds perfect for that. And, and, that's and also it, really it's, cool it's a too. it's a trial and error thing with a lot of like you know see what I get and then adjust, see what I get, adjust. This church yeah, I played but then in. Yeah, you use an iPhone, then it's not real. Oh yeah, then it's not even an organ. You're basically just <laughs> not even playing music. Yeah. This church I just played in down in Oklahoma, they they just got a new organ this year. It was like one point five million dollar organ. I mean, it oh. looks beautiful, sounds beautiful, but like, I, and I don't know where they got that money from. Um, I think just donations or some shit like that. But, from not paying taxes or that, yeah, who knows? Um, <laughs> I mean, this church is loaded. They I'm have a bitter. lot of money, so I don't know if it's just like well, rich they spent one point five million dollars on an instrument. So yeah, they they've got money. Yeah. <laughs> This guy's good at fundraising, though, the guy who hires for this gig. So I think he's just good at convincing rich people that they have nothing better to do with their money. I maybe would pay five bucks to hear that. I mean, you know, people pay, what, like $20, $30 tickets to hear concerts there. And it's not like the ticket sales, like, balance out for the cost of a $2 million, whatever it was, organ. But, um, you know, yeah, anyways, the organ installation, like, tuck over a year like it was a very gradual mm. process that's so cool to me yeah no it's that's fascinating insane it's also fascinating that. that it's just air passing through like tubes and it creates that sound <laughs> they know that you can you can like plug up to like just a piano through an, an ipad you know yeah. we got, like recreate that sound right <laughs> you, you know we got it's the same no, it's like cheating. 200 bucks for software and you can do the same thing you got bluetooth now it's way you easier I mean, you, you basically can it yeah it's not exactly the same but it's close enough that like most churches don't need a real organ Ra- well yeah well round up all right just ra- just round it's the same thing <laughs> it's the same thing i mean so many churches use speakers and i prefer that because the organ doesn't go out of tune like it with a real organ if the church is filled with like you know, 200 people, then the temperature in the room goes up and the tuning of the organ gets all fucked up. Really? Yeah. So do you have to tune it with people in it? Well, you just have to tune it and then, you know, usually if it's Hope just... for the best. Well, if it's just the organ playing by itself, then it's fine. But if I'm a, a, a separate instrument, I have to just kind of chase the organs tuning around as all the fat people sitting mm. around church make it go sharp, basically. That sounds <laughs> so, uh, as as uh, uh, as a, a musician to some extent myself, that sounds fucking terrible. Yeah, like we did this gig the other day, and me and the other trumpet player kept looking at our tuning slides. We kept just like pushing them in and in and in because everything was going sharper and sharper as the gig went on. It was hot in there, though. That's so weird. Well, it's all so so the, so. the temperature in the room causes the overall tuning of the organ to run sharp yeah i mean when when any instrument heats up it goes sharp so like if you're playing your trumpet and it's super hot in the room you'll be pretty sharp and the opposite if it's if it's really cold in you're the room you're trying to you'll play taps flat. on a cold funeral it's gonna be different than it when you tuned it at home in the warm house that is right? yeah fucking crazy and that's not yeah, the worst I, I, thing if if you're playing just by yourself you'll still be in tune as a ratio to your own notes but in terms right. of absolute pitch in tune, you'll be off from like A equals 440 hertz, for example. Yeah. Yeah, as a terrible like home musician guy, like I just play a guitar. I bring it out like every six months maybe. It's always a different season. It's always so wildly out of tune. But also if I 
like tune it and then move it to another room in the house, it'll go out of tune. Yep, humidity. I used to live in an attic that was very poorly insulated, and yeah, from day to night, my guitars would go out of tune from that. Yep, temperature change. Luke, what do you play? Oh, I play trumpet, and lately, um, you know, I guess over the past few years, I've been specializing in baroque trumpet. Which because there's no money in trumpet, so he went baroque. Oh, well, man. I mean, in all seriousness, there wasn't that, enough yeah, money in uh, modern trumpet. You know, there's, it's it's way more competitive, and not a lot of trumpet players have switched over to Baroque trumpet. So I got, I tried to get myself pretty good at Baroque trumpet, and it's a lot easier to get you gigs. Cornered a niche. So I found what, a niche. What exactly? Yeah. What exactly is a, a Baroque trumpet? It's he just a, said it's the valveless one. It's about twice as so long. So you rely it's exclusively on. It's like those yeah. curly bugle motherfuckers. It's all the embouchure uh, and, and the airspeed that changes the notes. Say that again. It's all your embouchure, which is just that word for how you form your mouth into the mouthpiece. Right. Um, so the airspeed and the tongue level and and those things that affect the notes. The cool thing is you can build a Baroque trumpet from Home Depot if you wanted. You just buy a tubing at the right length and put one of those, like, flares on the end, you know, like you would fill oil Mm. up in your car. As long as it's a certain length of tubing and bent the right way. It doesn't even have to be bent the right way. You can just curl it up like a French horn. Um, You know, Hmm. if you make it too short, it'll be impossible to play. So you have to make it long enough that the harmonic series that comes out of it is, like, reasonable vibrations for your lips to handle. But other yeah, than that, I'll make yeah, sure of that, Luke. You can basically you can call it a garden variety trumpet. <laughs> Cause you got it from the garden section of Home Depot. Yeah. That's pretty cool. I mean I made a I made a work chiller. Uh well, no, my friend made it, but I saw him do it. Uh, a work chiller out of copper tubing the same way. Yeah. And they cost like forty dollars online, or you can buy a, you know, twenty dollar piece of tubing and just and you have a fun time figuring it out yourself. Yeah, you just roll it over. Actually, like the slim keg, homebrew kegs are the perfect size for most kettles. So you just roll it over that, and then you attach tubing to it. And Word. It's a chiller now. Um, so did you guys talk about basically like the like brewing basics or just like random beer combo? We kind of just talked about beer and the current craft beer industry and, uh, you know, little tidbits about barrel aging and how wood affects beer. This really wasn't our beer history or our beer. It was just sort of our first beer episode. It was just a Word. general beer conversation. Uh, we're going to have Justin back, hopefully with another brewer friend of ours, um, and we'll get a nice you know, little round table of beer people going for that. Nice. Um, but, you know, so this is just sort of an intro conversation to, to beer stuff. Well, I, for the cast, I think for Thunk and, Tank uh, we can have different series, you know. So th- call this Brewer series, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's sort of the. Uh, we should also know, do the history series where we choose like something hyper specific, like the Babylonian Empire, and just get like crazy about that for like an hour, you know. Sure. And by that I mean we'll just like kind of talk about that and just like rail slip into uh, anything else. <laughs> yeah. So, um, did you have any like beer questions, Luke? Uh, I just I figured. I guess I guess I had a few that um, overlap nicely with just musician um, type shit. 
So like one of them is just consistency. Like, is that like a, is that a, a well, is that a consistent uh, thing you have to be contending with? Like, you know, consistency. The other thing I'm really into is craft coffee, specialty coffee. And I have like an espresso machine at home. And one of the, the crazy things is you dial in a certain espresso, let's say when you get a, a new bag of coffee, um, and it will change each day, but you know, you dial it in the first time it may, might take three or four shots and you figure out what's going on with this coffee. Um, what kind of grind does it need? What kind of dose? And you dial in the details and then for that day, it'll be pretty consistent, but the next day it might change a little bit, um, depending mm-hmm. on maybe the aging of the beans or the humidity the, in the room. Yeah. All, all factors like that. Is there like a day to day dialing in that beer recipes need, or is it kind of like once you got it nailed down, all those conditions are, are, are just kind of holding steady. So like for the whole day to day thing, no, uh, just because of, of, of like, well, let me start over. Uh, so first off, you're, you're, you're talking about uh, repeatability and, and, and your consistency of your, your, <clears throat> your, your recipe and your ability to like recreate time and time and time and time again, uh, which is uh, something that, that like a lot of people, uh, an, an emphasis that a lot of people put into or, or onto uh, beers, but you also have to think about uh the, the business model that you are trying to apply that to. Mm-hmm. So if you're talking about like a, a small brewery that is constantly like putting out new product and like all the time putting out new beers, uh, the brewery that I work for now, we very rarely brew the same beer twice. So repeatability and consistency, uh, the, the consistency is only necessary in terms of the quality of the product, not necessarily in our ability to recreate that same exact product yeah. again, because we very, very, very rarely do that. It's not something like we don't like our IPAs. We, ha- we, we, change the recipe every single uh-huh. time. We almost never reproduce an IPA. Would you say you uh, prefer that 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 uh, approach where you're not trying to just like have like a I do a, a, like nail that same taste every time kind of uh, to, to ha- like in, in, in terms like in terms of having a flagship beer versus having like having beers that that like just constantly changing. Uh I do. I I prefer I prefer our model where like we're constantly putting out new product. And like at first, whenever like people first started showing up that weren't really familiar with our business model, because we were kind of the first in the city of Winston to do that. Mm -hmm. People started getting kind of like a little butt hurt because they'd come in from week to week and like, Oh, well the thing that I really liked last week wasn't here. This is bullshit. But then they started figuring out really, really quickly that like every week that they came in, there was something new and like overall, like while the, the, our ability to be, to, to consistently reproduce a product, the, the, the like, the, the exact same product that uh, that consistency wasn't there, but our consistency in terms of producing a high caliber product 
was there. Yeah, yeah. So people started coming in and realizing, like, oh shit, well, I don't I don't have to come in here well, every every week and and rely on like, oh well I need my I need my pint of trusty rusty. Yeah. I don't I don't I don't have to do that anymore because I know that I whenever I come in here, there's gonna be something in here that I, I love. So like I, I guess our like our uh, emphasis on consistency has been uh, applied more well, towards the quality of our product and, and not necessarily towards our repeatability of our so I think you're making a distinction here between consistency and variation. Because you can vary your recipes but still consistently nail it. Right. Like you didn't mess anything up. It's just different than the right. last one. Well, that's the same, Johnny, as saying for any given coffee, you know, you're going for a consistently good extraction, which is about 20% extraction if you were to measure it with like a TDS, like total dissolved solid, like um, refractometer. Whereas like each coffee you change will have a different flavor profile but it's still going to be 20% extraction, you know? Like, it's the same consistent um, level of expertise for extraction, just like, obviously, it's going to be a different coffee when it's different. Or you can roast the same coffee differently. I kind of like that coffee metaphor better than music, just because, you know, music, there is, like, the right way to play a note. But Uh, at the same time, it's like you practice repeatability in the sense of accuracy, but it's to serve the spontaneity of the performance in the moment. Like you can let go and be spontaneous only when you know the technical aspects are going to be there. Like, um, you know, you're not going to be thinking about what buttons to push down, but how you take time, especially in, in jazz, let's say, for example, you know, how you take time, how you solo, what, what you, you know, how you swing. That, that Those are all things that are going to happen in the moment. I guess I was thinking of Baroque trumpet. Yeah, jazz, the metaphor works again. Yeah. Because you have that. <laughs> but actually, there's a big aspect. similarity between jazz and, and Baroque music. Um, I, I think Baroque musicians are more jazz-like and classical musicians are are more sort of like boxed in and like playing notes at the right time kind of thing. This is why I love Baroque music because I took my classical music skills and got to make more of a of a of a jazz type of of brain towards mm. music. It's so variable and people are not just trying to go for accuracy, they're going for I mean it's kind of like the beer thing you just said like I don't want to go back and have the same rusty what do you call it rusty dusty whatever trusty rusty trusty rusty beer every time but if i get to know a brewery or get to know a certain bartender i'll trust that they can uh, deliver me something i'll like not necessarily the same thing every time yeah and and the people for for where where he's talking about they are starting to figure that out you still get people that come in and are like oh well you, you don't have that one anymore? It's, no, we change them all. Well, you should just make that one. Change the rest, but just keep that one. Yeah. <laughs> That's not what we do here. It's like, but what if the other five guys that do. came in today said, keep the other five and not this, the one you like? Like, yeah. yeah, it's like, okay, everyone said, yeah, has a beer that they think that about. That's like, come back. We'll have something different. Yeah. That's funny. Uh, yeah. That's a cool business model, though. Yeah, I didn't so, realize that because I've only been there like once or twice. Yeah, it's it's a cool approach. That's what's nice about the like, hyper local. We were talking about that too. Beer movement or anything, the locavore movement they like to call it, uh, and it's you know it's killing off a lot of industries that I'm fine with, like Fridays and Applebee's and Chili's. Those places are starting to shut down because it's like I'm gonna go to that food truck that 
the husband and wife are cooking like family recipes out of. That sounds yeah. way better and than we'll microwaved get, like, Applebee's. Instead of getting whatever random beer this corporate chain has on tap, we'll get like a, right. an, another local. I mean, people are turning to oh. local things, um, I think, on all scales right now. Maybe it's something to do with like when when things get too big, you have to like go smaller. I have no idea. Like, like turn yeah. back to community and like smaller groups, things like that. Well, because I think the problem is with consumerism is, is things, you know, someone ta- wins. You know, you have Walmart, you have Amazon, you have Budweiser. Like, they kind of corner the market and then they get to set the standard. Yeah. And then eventually it, you, you lose that, that option of choice. So what, what used to be like a local product was not considered, that's why you would buy things out of catalogs and order things from abroad is you were sick of just having the no choice and stuck with what's around. But even the international products now, or our national products, are so homogenized. It's oh well, that is a choice now. That's just with like using the local, like just garbage or fruit or whatever. People, there's a lot of breweries that just like you know do forage beers or locally sourced whatever from some farm, and that's cool. And you're like, oh, I've driven past that farm on the highway when I went out to the that park one time, and I'm drinking the beer from the you know hickory roots from that. Uh, my dog pissed in that forest. That's cool. I'm drinking that. Like that that's, you know, there's <laughs> something there's cool that, to that. Yeah, there's of course. There's a guy that comes into our, our brewery. Brewery. Uh, and uh, he's, he's uh, a, a amateur local forager that tries to, like, pawn. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Like, all the time. You can't use that stuff. Though. Yeah, no. Not going to. Not, <laughs> not planning on it. I mean, it, it, could, be, it could be filled you, with band-aids for all like, you know. Hey, man, I've got some ingredients that you, sh- you should use in your small batch. Hey, no, I got these mushrooms okay. I grew in my shed. What, uh, what, have you, what have you got? And he's like, oh, yeah, I mean, I've got this, like, I've got, and he, he, he referenced some, like, some root. And I'm like, oh, well, you know, okay, cool. What, is, what does that taste like? And he's like, it, it, uh, it's got a really, like, wild green onion character. And I'm like, well, that's not going to work in a beer. Also, I think Ever. you picked a green onion. Never. <laughs> uh, yeah, actually, that's green onion, sir. <laughs> and, and you nailed the description. I don't want your hand-picked green not, onion. I'm not going to put it. That, yeah. I'm not, there's no beer that's just begging for wild green green. Pretty sure green you picked onion. this from the highway divider. Yeah. That strip of grass that's just covered in brake dust and, you know, whatever. Yeah, no. It gets he, thrown out of know, cars. But he, he does show up with, like, he he shows up with some weird weird like yeah. roots and and twigs and and berries and like oh yeah you should use these so like, that's well, kind of sketchy I'm not trying to kill anybody but yeah uh, <laughs> like no. scratch brewing we were talking about they do a forager brew oh this I might be thinking of a brewery in Colorado now but anyways they have when they do collaborations they have a brewer come in and they go hike on this land they own they bought like a hundred acres or something and they'll go on like a couple hour hike and they pick whatever is like forageable you know they just see what's out and they can find and then they get back and lay it all out and write a recipe based on what they picked so I just love that that there's a certain randomness about which way you go what's growing that day like you, even though you're local and you're stuck with the local ingredients, you have infinite combinations if you do it that way. And it just sounds like a fun way to make beer, I, I too. Feel like it's, it? that, I feel like it's a little crunchy, but yeah, like, but it sounds that, cool. That's, that, that's my that's my thing. Is that like it sounds cool, but at the same time, it's like ah, oh, god, god damn it, really, <laughs> really. Like oh, just we got some pine bark. Got yeah, a backpack just, full you know, of pine bark. Oh, I have to Throw use that pine in a brown bark. Ale. 
I used half of an old oak stump. Put that in here, you know, <laughs> and some cocoa nibs. Yeah, I found I found some some old rocks out and back. It, it really adds to the minerality. <laughs> Pile of oyster shells behind that seafood <laughs> restaurant. Yeah, uh, I had to fight a raccoon to get them. <laughs> yeah, no, but the, there's something cool about that, though. Is there? Yeah, that's like There's the jazz cool aspect about the random. Of, you know, um, you know what are what are those um, when you make like a certain type of sour and you just kind of have the window open? Like, isn't there a randomness to what interacts with? Oh, the, that's oh, you're thinking of open window sour? Yeah, no, no, I'm just no, oh, no that's, <laughs> I was that like, if that's a thing, then yeah, that's definitely what I'm thinking of. <laughs> and, and don't listen to Johnny. That's that's. Uh, that's no, I lie a lot on this podcast. <laughs> Oh, Mostly you're talking about OWS, Open Window Sour, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a, this is this is uh, our classic. Uh, it's owls. Uh, you gotta have a di- diamond shaped window, or it doesn't work. Just tell <laughs> someone that. Yeah. Get them to install one. That'd be yeah. great. Sorry, so, go ahead. Yeah, that, that's uh, that's uh, spontaneous fermentation, or like yeah. Most Open. of the time, they use like a cool ship. Um, a what? A, a cool ship. Like 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 the like Serenity. From from Firefly, yeah, like that, a that cool ship spaceship, was awesome. Like, <laughs> like a cool ship, like the Intrepid. That was a really cool ship. I went to that. It's a great museum. Oh yeah, I've been there. What's a no? I'm saying what's a cool ship for the listeners. <laughs> oh yeah, that was I'm his being, backhanded yeah. way of saying what's a cool I, ship. I know what you're saying, but oh, well, you didn't the listeners add, don't there know. There was a question in there. What do you though? mean by a cool ship? <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> like the cool Millennium Falcon is. A, uh, <laughs> that would have been a better really, first one, Johnny. <laughs> yeah, so a cool ship is a really. It's a fermentation vessel. Um, but it's it, it's really really shallow with a wide surface area that's usually uh, uh, given cooling? access to like open open air. So uh, it's a sterile environment that allows uh, outside air to come in, and with that outside air, there are all of these different uh, microbes and and and, and different. Bacteria that are allowed in and, and yeast, and, right? There's yes. yeast everywhere. It's just airborne and all over us and on everything. Yeah. Yes. So it's weird to think about. Of <laughs> uh, these different bacterium come in through the air and then they fall into the the wort and start start fermentation and start having bacteria and, sex and start and doing all their all their little weird things. Mm. Isn't that so crazy you have to think about? And yeasts. Hanging out together. Yeah, fun fact. Uh, into the uh, microphone. Um, yeah, talk uh, into the microphone. Big Bigfoot, uh, Sierra Nevada's Bigfoot. Oh, yeah. It's actually, uh, they start Bigfoot. <laughs> I thought you were going to say a, Bigfoot was, like, the, the character of Bigfoot was, like, a sour beer gone wrong, and a guy no, drank no, no, it. No, no. And so, they actually <laughs> call him Bigfoot because he got his leg chopped off, and they threw it in a batch of sour beer. And it turned out amazing. Yeah. <laughs> And so he just got the one Bigfoot left. That's Sierra Nevada's Bigfoot barley wine <laughs> is actually uh, it, it. It starts off as a uh, an a, a, in a, a cool ship. Right? I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. Just one of those like weird little tidbits. Yeah, I guess yeah. the one I, I've heard of that? was um, Jester King. I think. Great right? Hmm. Was that the What's one? That? Is that the one in Texas, Jester King? Uh, that's Sierra Nevada. No, no, I'm saying um, that where I had heard about this open window like fermentation thing was. Um, oh, they definitely are, do it there. there are, yeah, Jester King does. Uh, there are a ton of breweries. Pretty sure Scratch does it too sometimes. The one Scratch I mentioned. Scratch does. Uh, Allagash does. A lot of uh, places. Jolly mm-hmm. Pumpkin does. 
uh, barrel culture in uh, Charlotte does. There are, are, are a ton of breweries. Has Hall River or Fanta Flora no. ever done it? Uh, I don't. I know Hall River does not have a cool ship. I don't think that that Fanta has one, mm. but it wouldn't surprise me if they wound up getting one because yeah. it, it would it would one hundred like it makes sense with their business model. Uh, with with the direction that they're going with their their beers, it it would make complete sense that they would have a cool ship. Uh, cool, but yeah, there there are a shit. a shit pot ton of breweries in in the U.S. that have cool ships, mm-hmm. uh, which is a very like super traditional Belgian method. Like that that's the first step in like lambic. They still Redemption. do it in Belgium, right? They've been doing it. Yeah, yeah. That's the we were talking about before, Luke. Is they didn't know why, but they knew the how. Just trial of error of how to like cultivate uh, yeast cultures and bacterias and, yeah. and souring things, and like that. That's part of it too. They just knew if you leave it out after you, you, they knew to boil it. Like if you just boil it, it'll end up better. And then if you leave it out for like on the windowsill for this amount of time till it starts doing this, it, like, it doesn't taste like shit. Yeah, yeah. It'll actually, be good. <laughs> And it's funny that, like, over the evolution of beer, I guess, right, like, human beings in general, the things we think smell awful, like farts smell awful because they have sulfur, and sulfur kills you. So, like, you know, beer, when it's when it goes bad, if, if it were something that were dangerous, we would, would probably have a, an instinct to say, hey, that, that, that smells awful. Whereas sours have that, like, ooh, that smells pretty good kind of smell. <laughs> well it's definitely it's, an acquired it's, it's thing it's really really difficult it, like if you're not adding anything to a beer it's really 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 hard to make a beer that could actually make you sick but one of the right? which is right. why beer was yeah. so imp- has been so important throughout the like the the <laughs> the vitamin, the, the vitamins from the live yeast is really good for you, well, and, I mean, and well, the sanitizing effect on the water. Like, is you nice. could, you couldn't drink the fucking water yeah. for. Or the years, other thing is, years, if you years. if you figure it out, if we boil the water, if you drink the water, it makes you sick. If you boil the water and drink it, it won't make you sick. But if you wait too long after you boil it, it'll make you sick again. But if you turn it into beer, it'll last for weeks. Right. Or months, then you're going to make a lot of it into beer because you don't have time to be boiling water constantly. So you're saying even if you alive. mess up the brewing process, you might be affecting flavors and whatnot. But in terms of safety, like, is there any way you could even like on purpose mess it up in such a way as to make it like unsafe to drink? The only time I've heard people getting sick from like home brewing and fucking around in their own kitchens is if is they fuck up and they leave cleaner or bleach on their materials and you right. drink cleaning chemicals. But or if you if add you, no dogs. If you add uh if you add like crazy, crazy weird shit to your beer, just like the the dude in uh uh fucking Africa that added alligator bile to yeah, that made people sick. Yeah, I, I, I bet it did. A ton <laughs> oh, of people. Yeah, that sounds right. I thought alligator bile might do that. I, <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. I feel like that's something you throw in someone's so, face when you're trying like, to murder them yeah. horribly, right? Uh, sounds like the new ISIS it. thing. O- o- overall, like the, the, the process <laughs> of of making and producing beer, the entire process, it doesn't really like. Oh yeah. Oh, horchata stout coming up. Uh, so that, that entire, entire process, it, it does not support, uh, pathogens. 
Like it, right, it, right. The, it, it drops. It, yeah, the pH drops too much uh, yeah, for there, bacteria to live well, in. But there's so many aspects that like. The the fact like the the, the alcohol helps the alcohol the the presence the acidity, of CO two the lack of yeah, CO two helps uh, the the fact that hops are there like Yeast. there there's there are so many things that yeah yeah ma- that make beer like exponentially uses- safer to drink like. If you don't trust your water, fucking drink beer. You'll be fine. Yeah, yeah. I well, mean, as long as it's low enough alcohol that you don't die of dehydration. What I've always said, two, Johnny, it's not drinking beer that kills you; it's stopping. But it's, I one hundred percent subscribe to that. That's what I've heard. He's 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 onto something. Yeah. Like you don't get yeah, hung I, over from drinking that, beer; you get hung true. over from stopping drinking beer. <laughs> Sorry, uh, we we have a thing with the dogs. Kara, okay. Sorry, guys, we'll cut that out. We'll get that in post. So that's um, that's the problem yeah, with big dogs. Yeah. Anything oxygen anything bacteria requires, it, uh, t- like you, like those those dogs are so big that if they came into the room, it would just be mayhem for like. A- <laughs> yeah, the studio would be all 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 asunder. But um, yeah, he he brought up an interesting point. I wanted to just point out is bacteria needs oxygen like everything to live and yeast scrubs the beer of oxygen to produce more yeast yeah so it it does have that nice effect too i forgot it so is it that the yeast will always outcompete whatever bacteria might happen to be in there uh not always you have to add enough that it can you can put too little that it dies off so you're basically playing god as a brewer for a little universe. Yeah, I mean, of- yeah, there's some animal husbandry to it. You have to cultivate your yeast and treat it right. And, you know, what temperature you keep it at is what kind of flavors it's going to give you and what kind of viability it's going to have. And so it's a living, breathing thing. That's why vegans, I give them shit for drinking beer when they give people shit for, like, you know, eating some, eating, you know, eggs or something or a milk product. Yeah. Those, those cows didn't need that milk in their titties. They had extra. Well, I mean, it's just or sort of a honey. where do you draw your line? Like, I don't know. I like the whole like, idea like of thinking... Like, these produce too much honey. They pro- they're designed to produce more than they need because they know it's delicious and things are going to steal it. So it's, like, built into it. They make more than... They'll abandon it if they make too much and go make another hive. Another, right. None of that is more, to say that um, uh, the the ways in which, you know, factory farming gets products from anything is, is um, moral, but it's just to say that, you know, everything is about where you draw a line, right? So, like... You know the whole idea that plants might be conscious, right? I, I think they are. I've I really I've spent do too. Time with some some really charismatic trees before. Well, I mean, they they talk to each other. They mm-hmm. have like these chemical pathways where they like communicate. And I don't know, like I I I don't think a tree is as conscious as a pig, but it's probably like somewhere on the spectrum. Like it's probably I would bet a plant is more conscious than a fucking worm. You know. I wouldn't bet that, but I don't know. I don't think yeast are really that conscious, but they do a good job making beer. Yeah. <laughs> but uh but yeah, beer beer is good for you. Like uh but one of the oldest oh, when we're talking about sours and stuff, I, I just remember one of the oldest written records of beer is like a uh it's like a toast we would call it, but it's a hymn or a prayer in it in Sumeria. Uh like a good luck one first you would say and it was it translates to like may you have bread that doesn't crumble and beer that never goes sour or something like that was a way to like wish good luck and fortune upon somebody. So going sour so, was a bad thing 
or I think it was just something that you couldn't control. They they didn't quite understand yet uh, at that point in beer history. So if you were trying to make a, a not sour beer, it turned out. But that's because they used clay pots, I think, and they were porous, and that would harbor a lot of bacteria too, right? Well, and everything was a hand. Beer. And everything, yeah. The whole, <laughs> did, they would drink. Help. They would drink beer through straws because there's so much shit floating and like dead bugs or whatever floating around on top. That, uh, yeah, you would have to like put a mat down and like put a straw through. They still have it. You did you see the the ladies' beer straw when you were in the National Galleries in London? I meant to tell you to look it up. Oh there, shit! There's a lapis lazuli one that's like six, like five thousand years old or something. It. Or uh, I mean, where it, I, like maybe I saw it and I straw. didn't even know I saw it. But that's pretty badass. Because if you drink beer through a gold straw, you're not going to get sick. That's what we talked about before, right? Bazinga. Bazinga. You guys stick with those reeds. I'm sure it's plenty clean for you peasants. I'm going to have a golden straw. You poor motherfuckers. I do have another brewing question, which is, you know, like, let's say when you're cooking or something and there's a lot of details that you're obviously just going by the book and for a recipe or whatever. But then there are some moments with cooking where maybe you're just putting salt and pepper on, maybe another spice, and you're just kind of going by feel. And if you've cooked a dish like, you know, 25 times, there, there's an instinctual element to it. And there are other things that you're obviously going to measure because you're not going to get your instinct on like, you know, you know, two and a half cups of something. But when it comes to spices or when you take it off the oven and... and things like that how much of brewing is just by the book and how much is just instinctual in the moment when you feel it's ready um so a lot of that comes from like uh just sort of repeating the same like literally the same exact recipe over and over again so i'm i'm not exactly the best person to ask for that or to ask that question per se uh because i've always been a shift brewer meaning that like i like my 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 input in terms of ingredients it has been nil Mm -hmm. so like essentially the recipe is you're a line cook you're not a chef yeah yeah so like i like i'm i'm given a recipe and like i know how to essentially get from like point A to point F or whatever. Um, so like I, I like how to like navigate those steps in that like depending on the, the, the brewery or the brew house that you're working on at the time, like that will over time you sort of, change and shift and navigate because or, or, or like not navigate that's a bad word but like deviate depending on on like the time of year because like for instance like uh depending on the time of year your 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 malt will change mm-hmm. your malt will shift and you'll be like, a new batch eventually older. eventually you're going to get to the tail end of the 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 uh, the malt crop from your malt supplier, and whenever you get to that tail end, it's gonna be shit. Uh, it's gonna be a lot of like chaff, which is just like uh, husk and flour and like non-fermentable. Yeah, it's it's a, it's your it's literally your fucking your nightmare. I got gotcha. you. You 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 hate everything. You hate everything about everything once you start getting to that point. Uh, because your lauders 
do I need to go into uh just just yeah so uh, essentially a a lot of time uh whenever you're making a making beer your grain goes into uh a, a this this huge vessel uh called a lot yeah and it's a really big coffee pot and so you are running water through the uh, over the top of that grain, and then it runs through, and then it gets yeah. You, you the, filter the, it out, and then that the, the the you're collecting the sugars that were in that malt, and then yeah. that becomes the fermentable wort stream. Uh, however, in that way, it's very much like coffee, right? You're just extracting. You're dissolving yeah, the sugar you, in the one, water. One hundred percent, yes. Yeah. After you soak the grain, yeah, you want to rinse it so you, so the sugar's still sitting in that wet. You don't want to squeeze it though, because you get like gross tannins. From yeah, it. So you're, you want to just get a bunch of shit. That you so don't you just want to rinse those sugars that are still sitting in it out, and that's your lauder. So that's what he meant when you have a lauder that's full of a bunch of chaff, though it clogs things up. Yeah, right? it's it's like running running uh, running water through uh, like. Uh, like really fine, like pebbles versus Mm -hmm. running through running water through like, uh, sand and flour. Exactly. It's just like with a, it doesn't, it doesn't run. It doesn't like it it won't flow through with a pour over coffee. Uh, You have to find the right grind size. So gravity will naturally let the water fall through the coffee at the perfect speed too fast. It'll be under extracted, uh, too slow because the grind is too fine. You'll you'll pull too much out of the coffee and you'll be bitter and gross. It's about finding that happy Which medium. Which is ex- it literally exactly the same thing. Word. In, in, in terms of of brewing and and like with your your crush in terms of your 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 grain. Yeah. Uh, so too, you would check the grind and size you wind like up that? with a bunch of flour and you and then you also like pulverize. The, the actual grain husk itself. Ah, I see. Which, like, the grain husk will be a, a filtering aid, uh, which will help, like, keep the, the grain bed, like, kind of elevated and keep it light and airy and let water flow through versus something like uh, a, a ton of chaff where you just are throwing handfuls of essentially flour or, like, yeah. flour and sand uh, into that grain bed, which like the water hits it. Then once it hits a certain point, it like it stops flowing. Yeah, and yeah. It, it makes your life exponentially more difficult. That's and interesting. That's so much just, like coffee. That's like because I do pour over coffees all the time, and like depending on the coffee, like certain Ethiopian coffees are so dense that even if you do a really coarse grind. At some point, the water just clogs and it will stop flowing. It'll like drip, 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 drip. Whereas other coffees, yep. you do the same grind, it'll fall through like you're pouring water through pebbles. Like it, it, it has no uh, resistance. Right now, now just just imagine that like instead of your like typical coffee pot, you have a sixty barrel or what did we say? Hundred. Eighteen hundred gallons. Six sixty times thirty. Yeah, eighteen hundred. Yeah, eighteen hundred gallon kettle. Yeah, that you're doing the same process on and trying to collect water. Yep, and, mm-hmm. and it, it the, the the problems the multiply and, and like how how coarse everything is or how fine everything is like that that's night that. Like, how long does it take to mash in that much grain? 
Because if you're only doing an hour mash, how much of that time is just adding the grain? When do you start the timer? When it's all been added? Uh, about I'd say like seventy-five to eighty percent. That's when you start your and timer. Then you can, you, then you can start your well. I mean, that's that's, that's something one of those I always that, wonder when I sit that's there. One and of those I'm things po- that varies from brewery to brewery. I think that I think that best practice is to wait until everything is everything is in. That's what Once I you try get to your do. The, the last bit of grain in, your last bit of water in, you've hit your mash temp, you know where you're going to be, and you close the lid and step away, that's when you should start your temperature. Or, or, or start your, your timer, yeah. Uh, I, I'm sure that there are other So, But how long does that take with 60 barrels worth of grain? Same like, time that it takes for 15 barrels of grain. Really? Oh, yeah. interesting. Huh. I thought maybe there might be some equate. Equi- like I know for coffee, like when you're updosing something, you have to take into account that like that amount of coffee will just clog more, so you can't just yeah the dough balling. I assume that would be worse with larger amounts, but I guess the vessels are just built for well, it. I mean, with uh, it has a big mixer, right? With, with well, so at, for instance, at uh, at both uh, foothills. And at Natty's, you have a an auger that's just con- constantly just mixing and recirculating and making yeah. sure that those dough balls don't happen. Mm. So, like, y- y- you're you're relying on on the the mechanical activity of of the actual vessel itself. Yeah, it does to, that for like, you. Like to 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 ensure a homogenous mix so that by the time all of your water and all of your grain is in, you have, like, from top to bottom, you have a 168-degree, or, yeah, like, whatever, or, well, 148 would be a more, like, appropriate number, but 148-degree temperature in, yeah. from top to bottom. You know, with Natty's, they, they did, they were more, like emphatic on like a, a, a step a step mash where you you would like yeah now we're getting real deep well yeah Do you know what we're talking about luke um i mean i'm roughly following as like okay good um mash Great. and and there's something you were saying so, like some we, balls we, we, that form at, or at, at, at different temperatures uh the, the, just real quick the mash is when you soak you crack open a grain, barley, wheat, rye, whatever, and you soak it in warm water, not only to extract the sugars, but to get the enzymes in it to convert those sugars into something that's fermentable. So the mash is pretty important for what kind of beer you're trying to make. But the temperatures, you get different stuff, right? Yes. So, like, you could do a uh, a, beta, uh, a beta-glucanase rest where you're, you're – you're you're dropping down uh, the the beta glucans in your mash, so you're making it less viscous. You're 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 essentially making your mash more runny. You could do a protein rest where you're dropping the protein content. You're you're making uh, uh, hopefully you're you're producing a less hazy. Uh, uh, product in the long run you're you could do a beta amylase or a beta glucanase rest which depending on which one you're uh, uh referencing or referring to it like it's it's chopping up these really really long chain 
uh, 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 dextrins are like these long chains of sugars, and it's chopping them up into really simple uh, fermentables, uh, glucose and fructose. Just do, 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 But what temperature you do it at is what kind of... R- right. You're going to dry your beer. Completely, completely temperature uh, yeah. dependent. Because if you go lower, right, you get more fermentable wort, which means you have small, more smaller sugars, so you get a drier finished beer. Whereas if you go higher temperature, it's less active, and you get a more residual sugars left behind, not chopped up, and you get a sweeter like or a thicker more beer, fuller, fuller body. Like, you know, like beer. a stout, you might ferment higher temperature than a than like a a dry low percent saison or like a golden ale or right. something, right? That's so, so cool. I've always found the mash to be and really cool, can, and it smells so can, good. You, you smell go, the sacrifice. You could go right into the the quote unquote brewer's window where you have both beta amylase and alpha amylase working simultaneously. That's like 148, 149, right? That's what I I tend to do most beers around that's, that now. That's, that's usually like the around, sweet spot for, for most brewers. Yeah. It, it's like you, you get the, the optimal body versus uh, right. uh, fermentability. So there's always and those, I find home like, brewers are told cases, to do like right? 152. For most beers, and I think it's just because our systems are less efficient, so we have a lot more heat loss. So if you hit 152, you'll be closer to that actual number. Sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, it's just like coffee. Like with any variable, you go too far one way, you start hitting negatives, so you turn back the other way until you start hitting negatives, and you realize that somewhere in the middle of that variable is probably where it's best, whether that's extraction or strength or... You know, one of the cool experiments that this guy I follow in the craft coffee world... He says, you know, you're going you're gonna to have to waste some coffee to do this experiment, but uh, pull an espresso shot where you pull like a one to four ratio. It's going to be way over extracted. Pull one to three, one to two, one to one, and then one to a half. And you have a whole set of what is under extracted, kind of under, perfect, kind of over, and really over. And you set your sort of taste profile to just be aware of that sliding scale. Um, it just sounds so similar. Like I think the craft of any world, what I love about it is it's got these zoomed out themes, but then you also can get into like whatever the fuck you guys were just talking about in like beer language. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You can go, you can always zoom in on, you it. can zoom uh, into the weeds and get into the details. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. I like nerding out on stuff. We need to have uh, we need to have Brian on here. Yeah. Brian Carter. Oh yeah, sure. So Brian and and uh, and Luke would would get along. Uh, so Brian is a uh, he's a, a <laughs> he's a fantastic brewer. Uh-huh. Uh huh. He's also a coffee enthusiast uh, to the nth 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 degree. Um, but he's also he has his. PhD in uh, cello, like like oh really classic cello. Yeah, he, he's like he you, you and him would would get would get along. That sounds about right. Yeah, it, yeah you you two could could pick each other's brains about a, a lot of things. Um, yeah, we can get him on. I'll work on that. Awesome. Yeah, I love. Yeah, I love I'll, that. I'll, I'll do each... what I can to to coax him out here. Sure. Each world of craft has so much detail. A little bit of beer, so a little bit detail. of weed. He's, he's not hard. He's, he's, <laughs> we'll get him. He's a we'll get him. We, all, we always get him at the Thug Tank. We get, we get the biggest guests. We get the best guests. Our guests are the best. <laughs> oh, Jesus. We, we trick we him into the, the tank. Yeah. 
We use the best words. You really can't. Come on, come in the tank. Come in the tank. More important than the brain, (laughs) the mouth. You really can't (laughs) brag anymore without accidentally doing an impression of him. Oh, well. So Uh, I heard a... I was was so excited. I... uh, I, I included uh, or, or I put a, a quote of of, uh, of Trump's on on Facebook uh, about his whole like uh, his his Elton John quote. Are you are you familiar with this, Luke? Trump Trump quoted about Elton John breaking records. Yeah, yeah, yeah. was that today? Donald Trump's or? quote about Elton John uh, and it's uh, powerful. His breaking records and 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 you know uh, they rely on space. You know. The uh, the musicians and 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 the sports, but we don't need the space, you know, because we have we have we have words, and uh, you know the most important instrument is uh, is the mouth, and more important <laughs> than the mouth is connected to the brain, but more important than the brain is uh, is 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 the mouth. Um, so I posted a, a, a quote. Uh, That's a presidential uh, quote. Yeah, he's, I, I, he's not just yeah. anybody yeah, wondering. I mean, Justin didn't just have a stroke. He, yeah. That's, yeah, he that was a he, quote. He literally <laughs> sounds like he is more important than the brain, though. Even though I've said mouth already, is the mouth <laughs> more, more important than than the brain? Is I just the, love the one where he is talking about uh, like soldiers or something. He's like, you know, they're out th- or cops, and he's like, they're out there. Defending their furnitures and their futures, yeah. and it's like you definitely didn't mean to say furniture, and you were just like, and yeah, yeah you no, know, furniture no, too. You did, you no, that's that, a Second that Amendment a, thing, Johnny. They weren't out there trying to lose their furniture. I'm going to stand by that. Yeah, they were trying yeah, to protect no, their no, furniture. You, you misspoke, and it's okay. That's why. It's that's okay, why you need man. the Second Amendment to defend your furniture. People are trying to steal that shit, man. All right, I guess we should either wrap this up or take a turn into like a more uh, drunk tanky vibe. Um, I have. Oh, wait, wait, no, no, no. I've got, we I've just got, rail I've slipped got, hard. I've got, I've got the quote real quick. Okay. <laughs> so I've got a. I'm, I'm sorry. I like. I, I. I can't. I would. I feel like I'm doing myself a disservice, and and him, uh, and Elton Mango, John, uh, Mango Mussolini. If I, if I, if I, uh, a disservice if I didn't say this. I have broken more Elton John records. He seems to have a lot of records. And I, by the way, I don't have a musical instrument. I don't have a guitar or an organ. No organ. Elton has an organ. And lots of other people helping. No, we've broken a lot of records. We've broken virtually every record. Because, you know, look, I only need this space. They need much more room. For basketball, for hockey, and for all of the sports, they need a lot more room. We don't need it. We have people in that space. So we break all of these records. Really, we, we do it without, like, the musical instruments. This is the only musical. The mouth. And hopefully the brain attached to the mouth. Right? The brain. More important than the mouth is the brain. The brain is much more important. Damn. So, that's... Um. The- I wouldn't let that guy drive my Uber. <laughs> yeah, someone no. talking like that, let alone run the whole operation. Yeah, yeah, it's scary. Yeah, Politics I kind of aside, love the Trump rambling uh, when it's written out in text form like that. Like out of context, it, it's it's just oh, it's it's amazing. Yeah, it's, I, I wonder. So. Yeah, you wonder how history is gonna. I'm so curious. Like I have a one year old daughter, and uh, like I can't wait until she's like. Uh, you know, a, a, a freshman, sophomore in high school, and is going over like political history, and this is and gets era. to revisit yeah. this time and be like, "Dad, what the fuck were you guys doing?" And I, I get, I actually get to be like, 
was it me? Yeah. <laughs> you can be like, well, times were pretty good for a while, and then uh, shit got weird for a while, and then we figured it out, or maybe we didn't figure it out. I, like, time will tell. <laughs> Hopefully yeah, we, we figure it out. out That's get... why you're living on Mars now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Eat your well, Mars you know eggs. You're not allowed outside during the daylight <laughs> yeah. anymore. Right. There's a reason for that. Yeah. It all starts. Yeah. And it all, start, it all starts with uh, renewable coal. Yeah. Uh, that was before the coal, great coal wars. Because we gave the coal, we get, unfortunately, we powered the AI with coal. So the AI just decided to eat all the planet they to make coal. They fucking figured it out. So they figured it out way quicker than we figured it Unfortunately, the AI also figured out how to turn people into coal. If only we uh, just made them run on sunlight. We've got or plenty of carbon, right? Yeah, you just but, have to so take they, us apart. Yeah, but we, we could have easily just made them wave-powered. We, we didn't have to make them coal-powered. That was our bad. <laughs> yeah. There was actually a guy that, uh, that, 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 that pushed the idea of like powering them by high-fives. Get, they get powered by high-fives, and they, they shut that down. Yeah, which, you know, that, uh, oh, the beasts are attacking at the door. Oh, gosh. With um, large dogs trying to break into the studio. So well, we I, got, I got one the, last uh, good ending question. It could be for Johnny or... Like whoever wants to answer, oh, he's gonna hang up on us. Um, Go ahead. No, no, I'm not gonna. My hands are right here. My hands are right here. But my <laughs> mine are in my are pockets. <laughs> yeah, mine are in my pockets. We have a detente. I was oh, just no, listening no. to a trumpet podcast. Like uh, they were interviewing some guy, and he said, "Any advice to young trumpet players?" This guy is like a 65 year old. Like he's in the Met um, Opera Orchestra, and he said, uh, "Don't blow in the big big hole. Blow in the small hole." Um. And I was just thinking, like, that was sort of a tongue-in-cheek way to say, like, in in any kind of craft world, you can zoom into all the details, but then there are some, like, guiding whatever directions, like, zoomed out. Let's say somebody's about to start homebrewing. What would be, that like... That is actually really good advice, because he also could be making focus on, like, your embouchure not, and what you're putting into it, not the sound that's coming out that's of it. That's what I mean. Like, it's it's tongue-in-cheek, yeah. but there there's something there, you know? It is deep, yeah. Okay. The other one in the, in the brass-playing world is they say a two-word phrase, song and wind. If you focus on what the musical phrase is doing and how your wind is, is carrying that, you can, you can bypass all the details and still... Um, you know, get the gist of it. Is there anything like that in the beer world? Like, you know, here's a one sentence guide to like, if you follow these basics, you're gonna like be on the right track. Oof. Uh, I, for homebrewing, there is, and Charlie, I, I forget the, I was trying to think of the uh, acronym for it, but I don't remember. <laughs> Charlie Papazian, the he's like the. he's like the George Washington, Ben Franklin type of American homebrewing. He like wrote books on it, Back in the, like the seventies and shit, uh, and he like helps found the American Homebrewers Association and the complete like whatever uh, he uh, he he says it because his he wrote like one of the best still one of the best introduction uh, I think the complete art of homebrewing and the joy of homebrewing complete joy of homebrewing that's it yeah, yeah. Uh, and I think I have a couple of them in the house somewhere but even when he's giving you a lot of the technical information, he'll end chapters and paragraphs off them with the expression, relax, don't worry, have a homebrew. And it's like, just, it's fine. Like, don't freak out. It's a lot of steps and stuff. That's to, a good like, one. I actually straight. like that. Yeah. But like, just relax and don't worry. Just, just drink one. Even if it's like you made it, even if it's not great, it's probably drinkable, especially after you have more than a few of them. So like, just relax. Don't worry, have one. It'll work out. Yeah. Even if you're fucking this one up. That's from good. homebrew side. I don't know about brewing, brewing. I, I don't know about the business from, model from side, like but a, yeah. <laughs> from a, 
a brew man. I mean, I mean from, uh, like, <laughs> is that what you call yourself, brew man? <laughs> no, Justin Brewman. <laughs> I'm gonna start the, calling you that. The the, the girls <laughs> at, at 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 the brewery refer to me as Barrel Boy. Barrel Boy. Barrel Boy. I yeah, do like to call they, you that yeah, too. And sometimes they do, like they they clap or snap. Snap at me and, Barrel Boy. Barrel Boy. It's like pool boy, but but a little. But alliteration. He, he, he works with barrels. Yeah, yeah but but alliteration. <laughs> um, I don't know, man. I, like I just just run. Make 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 good beer and don't put weird shit in it. Like, <laughs> See, that's like, a good one right there. <laughs> is is like like honestly? I think okay, Mr. Day, Carolina like, Reaper. Okay. No, no, don't get the fucking feds involved. <laughs> I put I put I might have put chili peppers in there, but I didn't put fucking salted shrimp. Yeah, ooh, uh, yeah like yeah. There's, there's like there's so. Much, I don't want to drink shrimp like, beer. I, I don't. Yeah, ugh. that was a real one. He didn't make that up. Oh, really? No, no, I know I did not. Somebody Someone put like what shrimp. the shrimp shells in there or something? I think it was a shrimp goza or something, uh, and it just sounded oh terrible. Oh gosh, I never tried no it. thanks. That's not I'm even not, a style I, I go I, for, and I don't like shrimp really either. So that's a night. Shrimp's there. only the okay. That made that, that made that beer. I love those guys, and uh, I think that they're that 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 what they're doing works for them, and that they're putting out great beer. And I've got nothing nothing but love for that particular brewery but at the same time i also i I have to say like don't jeopardize uh, getting the fed involved with everyone because you're you you want to push the envelope Mm -hmm. uh so i like i i don't know like i guess my like my my mantra would be like just i don't know Make, make thoughtful. Make good beer with like a thoughtful approach with your ingredients. Like don't don't be an idiot. Don't don't put dumb shit in your beer just because you think you can. Like make something yeah. less less um, sort of wild, but just. Good, right? Well, put no, don't push the envelope just because you think that you yeah, can. It's yeah. not necessary. Don't be shocking just to be shocking. Yeah, if yeah. you if you think it's gonna be work well together, that makes sense. But all right, well, um, oh. I'm gonna just all tell right, well, this one last story, Johnny. And uh, are you listening? I don't fuck. <laughs> I needed Johnny to be listening, otherwise my hang up game wouldn't work. But apparently. I had no chance. I was trying to hang up with my foot because, like, I was showing Johnny my hands, but whatever. All right, well, um, I didn't hear part one, uh, so hopefully we'll sort of either edit all this together to be one episode or put it in two parts. But uh, if you're into craft beer, I hope you enjoyed it. If not, hopefully you learned something new about craft beer, something, uh, some details that you can sort of think about next time you're having beer and maybe thinking about uh, buying, you know, a, a more of craft beer instead of regular beer, depending on what you drink. I just find it fascinating because when you get into the craft of any kind of world, whether it's specialty coffee, um, craft beer, craft anything, you know, you're really into cooking, music, whatever your your skill set that you get super into and that you sort of just dive into the rabbit hole on, um, not only do you learn all the details about that specific world but when you are in that world long enough you sort of zoom out and you see the forest for the trees 
And what I found is that the forest of many different craft worlds end up being very, very similar. You see the same types of themes come up. Um, I kind of wrote an article about this, like not an article, just like a, a blog, short little blog post accompanying one of our episodes. Maybe I'll link it in this episode's description. But just about the craft world in general, and I've, I've sort of... I've gotten into a few different things over my life where I've, I've tried to like get super geeky and go, you know, super down the rabbit hole. And I've definitely discovered the same thing. So if I'm talking to a brewer, I can sort of talk about how my brain has developed from music and, 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 and we, we have so many similarities. We can sort of say the same things to each other. What I've discovered from going deep in music, what they've discovered from going deep into beer. Um, I can talk about coffee in the same way. Even the same words end up coming up. The words we use for flavor are similar to the words we might use for sound, things like bright. Um, You know, even though bright is a a visual word, right? So our, our brains are probably what's in common here. And I don't know. Anyways, I just find it really fascinating going deep into the craft world of anything. So if you've never gone, uh, and you know, sent yourself you know, head first into a rabbit hole of some kind of craft world, whether that's coffee, beer, wine, whatever it is. Hopefully you might consider beer. I think it, it can be a pretty healthy habit. could also be pretty unhealthy if you drink too much, but like, you know, keep an eye on that. And it's a really fun world. Hopefully this episode was um, something enjoyable if you're into beer. And uh, thanks for listening. I guess you're about to hear Johnny because he won the hang up game. Um, so, you know, I'm not even going to insult him, you know. Whatever. You won. Peace. Thanks for listening. Yeah, okay, Luke. He uh, he was going to try to hang up on us. We do a game where we race to hang up on each other, and I beat him to it. Um, that was a very ham-handed way to go about it. Are there dogs out there? You should close the door and wait a second. Just wait. Please, just... Okay, I got to go.